This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Episode 52. Wow, it's older than I am. Well, not it's really. Like once a week. So this is our, but we've missed a couple. I was going to say this is like our one year anniversary, but it's a little bit later because we started in January of oh. last year. So. Okay. Yeah, we've missed a couple. But happy 52nd episode. Happy 52nd episode. I don't think I've been in all 52 either. No, you've not. So how, so there, do the math on that. Uh, <laughs> I haven't kept track of how That's many. okay. That's all right. Cam Edwards, your host, Missy. E. Hey there. Your erstwhile co-host at yes. the uh, kitchen table as we uh, await the Republican debate. On Thursday night, I uh, we would have we normally do this on Wednesday evening, but uh, I've been sick with the CPAC plague this week. So yes, and our we have some sick kids, and then we had a soccer pick up late because of the where the scrimmage was last night, and I didn't get home till picking him up close to almost ten. So it was just like, oh wait, oh dear, oh I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> we were both like, uh, we'll do it tomorrow. Right. It's been a, it's been one of those things. Like I don't really feel that bad, but at the end of the day, you're just so drained yes. of energy. Yes. And uh, I've been sleeping pretty well though. That's good. Hopefully, you've not been awakened by the. No, I've actually been sleeping really well too. I actually slept more than like four hours in a row last night. So for me, that's like a woohoo moment. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah I was happy. I guess it's all that uh, that hard work. It's been really nice uh, around here in Central Virginia this week. Temperatures almost in the 80s, sunny skies. It's going to rain this weekend, of course, when we have the opportunity to actually get out and do stuff. Right. <laughs> and that's when, it'll, that's when it'll cool down. It'll start raining. But uh, we are in the busy time of year here. So uh, we've got uh, quite the chores to do this weekend. Yeah, we have to start uh, rototilling and we have to start seed starting because I'm behind. And I'm like so far behind. I was like, oh, wait, I've saved a lot of seeds, but there's some seeds that I didn't save because you don't save. We don't save carrots and beet seeds because I don't even know how to save carrot and beet seeds. And I didn't buy carrot and beet seeds. So we need to go ahead and get on that and order some carrot and beet seeds so we can get them started. Oh, yeah. And I have to order my onion and garlic sets. Because those you plant in place. Yes. So with same thing with the garlic and onion sets, and I'm like, oops, we're a little behind, but yeah, it's 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 all good. We'll get it done. We had a really we got we got a late start last year, and it it's working really well. The door is on the greenhouse, and it's been really warm, so we can put the shelves up and get some sea, uh some peat pots and and start starting uh, some seeds mm-hmm. down there. Uh, I think it'll be good enough. It'll be warm enough. That we can that'll work outside. Yep, and then we're uh, moving the hogs from their winter quarters for a, a few weeks until we go to freezer camp. Yay! Yay! Everybody go to freezer camp. Well, not everybody. At least two. Yeah. Maybe because I'm I'm worried it's a time constraint thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the dude who contacted me who wants to have the half a hog for charcuterie for his wedding. Mm-hmm. 
he can't even get down here until 2.30 on Saturday. And I'm like, whoa, I, we need to start way earlier than that. So I think I'm going to have our friend Val come as early as she can, she can get here on Saturday mm-hmm. and go ahead and process two, get him started, killed, uh, eviscerated, skinned. <laughs> And then you, just, you can just say processed. Well, processed. Well, not processed <laughs> completely, though. That's why I'm saying, like, he's a butcher, so he wants to have his hand in a lot of things. But so I need to go ahead and take care of some of the first steps, and then have him come down and do work on the rest of it. Yeah, but that, 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 that's not how it works, particularly when it's like 75 degrees outside. You well, can't. I, well, we'll be like cutting things down and like and keeping it in half and icing it, I guess, or trying to time it for 2:30. Or dude or, can just. Because he's going to show up when he shows up, and he can get his meat when he gets here. I, I'm kind of thinking I'm that's going for the that way it part. is. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm kind of leaning towards that because I, I or I'm just going to write it back and say, two thirty is kind of impractical. You need to, if you really want to be part of the process, you need to be here, and I'm going to see what how early you can Valerie can be here. Yeah, because she's the person who I want to lead on this because she's. I, I so can, here's the first question for our uh, audience. By the way, is that not a little rude to say like I, I want I want your Hog, and we're gonna give it to this guy for free because it's for his wedding. But uh, oh, I gotta put all these conditions on there, you know. Yeah, first he wanted to bring his dog, who really didn't like other dogs and wasn't really house trained and wasn't crate trained. And now this, I'm like, the only reason I'm being nice is because he's sort of, kind of related at this point, <laughs> right? But we we're gonna have to have a little come to Jesus moment on the whole arrival time thing. Yeah, I. I mean, you, you, you have to do this early in the day, especially when it's... Look, if it's only going to get to be 30 degrees as your high, you can probably wait till 2.30 in the afternoon. Well, if it's going to be 75 degrees... What's it supposed to be the Saturday before Easter? Uh, I, I have no idea right now. So but, that's what the day is supposed to be. Okay. So hopefully we'll have a cold front come through. Yeah. Well, but, our, our frost date supposedly is May 1st this year, but uh, I don't know. It's. I'm sure it's going to get colder than it has been. It always but. is. It's. It's. It, it, I said that this morning. I'm going. I almost stripped the flannel sheets off the bed, but I said, you know what? If I take them off, that means we're going to get a cold snap, and we're going to be chilly in our regular cotton percale. So I left the flannels on. Uh, well, as of now, our 15-day forecast does not feature any days where the temperature gets below freezing. So. Alrighty then. So yeah, gonna he's going to have, have to show to come up a little bit earlier. earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not telling that. And, and double t- check the time with me. Uh, no offense, but you know. Oh, so since we're going to be processing our own hogs, can I buy a new tool? Mm. Oh, I love how you asked me this on the air. Well, here. it's actually like it's like an Alton Brown thing because it's not going to be a unitasker. It's a sawzall. Okay. So that's like an electric reciprocating mm-hmm. saw that you can hold in place. It is awesome for being able to cut up large bones when you're butchering, mm-hmm. and you can use it for cutting up wood and timber and other things around the property. So it's a, it's a, it's a multitasker. Okay, but it's we also do have good a chainsaw for, for yeah, but you can't use a, a chainsaw to cut a pig carcass or a goat no, carcass or cut a head off. No, no, I. <laughs> or we could just get a, you, a couple could, of new hacksaw blades, but then hacksaw just takes longer, especially if you want to go ahead and split down the spine. Okay. So I've seen Val do it with a sawzall, and I'm like, yeah, that's way faster. Okay. And how much will a Sawzall Less than $100. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. They're not that expensive. Okay. It's like a small chainsaw, but it's like a big electric 
It's knife. like a big electric knife, yeah. Really? So uh, even a good brand doesn't cost that much money, and I can do the whole order online, ready for pickup, and you can pick it up on the way home from work for me. Oh, well, there you go. I suppose we can use some of the uh, proceeds from the baby goats to uh, pick up a Sawzall. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were sold happy to their new family home. Yeah, it is a lot quieter. You probably noticed it's a lot quieter yeah, this episode. It, it was weird for the first couple of days to not have the... Okay, I have to milk. Okay, I have to feed baby goats. I have to feed baby goats. I have to milk. I mean, it was like, wait, I don't have to feed baby goats. Oh, the milk is all for us now. Yay. You're so, right. And so you've already, uh, let's well, see. Well, first batch of yogurt, and the youngest has already started to partake of her favorite uh, beverage for uh, breakfast and dinner, which is goat's milk. And we drink it raw. We use it raw. Uh, I mean, when I make cheese, it gets up to a certain temperature, which usually kills all the bacteria when you right. make yogurt to get to a certain temperature, too. But we practice really good hygiene. We have a closed herd. And yeah. Yeah. So you saw the story. Have yes. you seen the story about the West Virginia lawmakers? Yes. Which, first of all, there is no evidence right away that this is actually because they drank milk. It is the time of year when people get sick. But these yes. these legislators in West Virginia, they passed a bill. Allowing individuals to drink raw milk in West Virginia. They celebrated by drinking raw milk in West Virginia. And now, apparently, some of them have come down with the stomach bug or something. They're, they're, they're not feeling real well. Well, you know what, though? It may be that their body has to adjust to the different bacteria and probiotic uh, content that's in raw milk versus whole milk. But... Uh, our we our youngest has gone back and forth between cow's milk and goat's milk and the whole and we have whole goat's milk unless I skim it off to make butter I give it a good shaky shake and she doesn't have any digestive issues oldest son living at home has developed uh, an issue with drinking cow's milk and I suggested goat's milk to him but he won't try it he, he, he said he, he's tried it before and it smells too goaty and I was like <laughs> Doesn't smell good. I don't get the smell, uh, and if you have it with a, a cereal or whatever, but I don't know. Uh, he, he he. I think, especially since he really is, he does every single time he tries to drink milk, cow's milk. Now, it seems to give him a stomach ache. Mm-hmm. It was like, and there's a reason why people pay in uh, Northern Virginia and outside of uh, uh, Maryland, uh, uh, northwest of here. They're paying like $35 a gallon for goat's milk to feed their children. Are you kidding me? No, that's what one of our friend's moms did. Holy cow. Is that Holy goat, really? Holy goat, right. right? Is, that, is that pasteurized or is that the raw goat milk? It's raw goat's milk because the child was lactose intolerant and they needed now baby you can, food. Can you sell that in Virginia? Well. I didn't think you could. We're talking like under the table. There's. This is no of consequence. <laughs> I haven't told you anything like this. If there was a black market for raw it's, goat's it's milk, it would probably be running about $35 a gallon is what you're saying. Yes. Wow. For 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 baby food. That's amazing. But, I mean, if you go to the grocery store, a can of... You can get, even in our grocery store, you can get canned goat's milk. Mm-hmm. It's five bucks for something this big. Not that we're on radio. It's the size of a can of evaporated milk. <laughs> okay, there you go. It's five dollars. Wow, for a can, fourteen ounce can. So and it's not a, evaporated goat's milk. It's no, just, but that's, that's just that's, how much goat's milk is in there. Yes, that's how much goat's milk you get in it. Jeepers, that's but that's, it just happens to be a can of it. That's crazy. Well, I have to say, you know, again, a, a lot of the um, health concerns come from. I mean, it's all basically exterior. 
Uh, you've oh, got to, yeah. you, you've got to worry about the milk being contaminated. And here's the thing. I mean, like, so when you're, when you've got the goat on the stand, how many, I can't tell you how many times Franny or, you know, one of the goats has kicked over the milk bucket or they put their foot right in it and bloop, all gone. there you go. There no you milk, go. Today, no milk today. Right? I mean, there's no way that you can nope. uh, fix or, or, you know, clean that up, no. but you are extraordinarily uh, diligent about you know, wiping down the teats. Yep, we have uh, teat wipes. You get the whole ABC of it, cleaning them off. You do a first whole initial strip. Oh, well, okay, so when you're taught to wash your hands, you're told to say the happy birthday song to make sure you actually wash your hands thoroughly or sing the entire alphabet. Mm-hmm. So when I'm washing off their udder and their teats, I sing the ABC song and I make sure that I'm washing them off for the entire time out loud because it's calming and because it's a song that I always sing. I'm hoping that it helps to do a Pavlovian thing and stimulate the letdown. I need to actually record that. I think at some point. (laughs) Anyway, some guy would probably there's someone out there who would pay like two ninety nine a minute to watch that. Well, oh. On that note, why don't we take a quick time out because we're ready. (laughs) Took you a second. All right, when we come back. (coughs) Here on 40, you all right? Yes. Okay. We've got more 40 acres in full. Missy's a little joked up. Stick around. We'll be right back here on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Missy, still at the kitchen table. It's dark here at the kitchen table, by the way. We've, we've got some electrical issues happening in the house. Uh, so this, the, the house is 235 years old in parts. The house was pre-Edison. Yeah. Yeah. And the some of the wiring is, is, is scary, if not questionable. Most of the things we kind of were able to have addressed. However, this house like has a lot of mystery light switches. And we have light switches that do and do not work for some things. But what happened recently is that in this particular room, we've had a ceiling fan. The ceiling fan has three switches that actually turn the fan on and off, but only one that works the light switch. And something happened to the two light bulbs up there. One of them just like blew up. One like I put replace them, and one went, immediately mm-hmm. went crazy. The light only works if the dimmer switch is halfway. <laughs> if the dimmer switch is all the way up or all the way down, the light doesn't work at all. If the light switch is on and off, yeah, and it's crazy. So we have a similar problem in the kitchen, in that we have an over a middle of the kitchen light. We have a light switch at the door, and then we have a light switch on the other side of the room from the other doorway. If you use that at all, the light doesn't turn on, and you have to wiggle. 
The light switch. The light switch to, make to it get work. it to come back on again. It doesn't work like normal houses where if you walk into a room and there's a, if you oh I'm gonna turn it on and walk out another door and turn it off it actually works. Right. Not anywhere in the house does that work right. So I'm hoping that an electrician can come out next week and help us clear up some of this crazy stuff. Yeah, that's the plan anyway. We uh, talked with our friend uh, uh, Jimmy, who is the lover of Missy's hot sauce, the guy who drinks it like it is yeah. lemonade. And we have a big bottle of uh, new hot sauce to give our friend Jimmy because how we, many how many bottles? Well, uh, we we managed to get 38 and a half 10-ounce bottles, and then I made three... Of the big, I think they were 22 ounce. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones I made last year that have the, oh, I don't know what it's considered. It's the, it's like the rubber stopper with the the metal thing that's the old school down. bottle. Old yeah. school bottle. Right. Opener. I, yeah. But it's some, I can't remember the name. But anyway, I made three of those. One for one of our good friends, one just for Jimmy, and then one for us. <laughs> so we have the biggest bottles. Oh, but yeah, I have 38 and a half bottles. I've sent them out. I got feedback tonight from one of my friends in Oklahoma City, and he was like, oh my gosh, this is so good, thank you, a little goes a long way, and he made his <laughs> dinner tonight was uh, tortillas crisped up with a cheese sauce, with the hot sauce thrown into the cheese sauce. Oh, nice. Yes. Uh, our friend Tommy, who uh, runs Charlie's Waterfront uh, Cafe and Wine Bar in Farmville, I gave him a bottle, he put it on some... Uh, pizza, some margarita pizza, and he said it was really good. It's it's really it really is good, and it's nice because it's complex. It starts out and it's a little zingy and vinegary, and it's not particularly hot like at first. No, but then no. it's got this then, burn after bite. And right? I went a little smoother in texture this year. Last year I had a little bit more of a vinegar. It was almost like a piccante, but I left it a little chunkier. But this year. I it was a two stage thing. I put it through the food processor to grind up all of the whole body peppers. Like these have been fermenting from August until October when the frost finally froze everything. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think the last bottle of you peppers. Mean when, you mean when, they, when you say that they've been fermenting from August to October? They that's when we collected so, them. Right. So the earliest was from, from August. August. The last bottle was from October, okay. and I just processed them and ground them up and made them into fermented hot pepper sauce in March. Yeah, so been going for a while. You all do the and math. the and the, uh, but the, the last the primary couple of bottles though. The last couple of bottles were from me frantically picking somewhat underripe habaneros off of the vines because all the other peppers had frozen. Mm-hmm. So there were three quarts of just habanero oh dear. peppers with garlic amongst the 22 quarts of sweet and hot peppers. So did you mix it all up? Oh, yeah. It was garlic. Because there was one jar, too, that you had had going for... The year before. It was like over a year old. Yeah, so there was the, that was the, but what happened? Did you make that into its own sauce or did no. you put that? <laughs> what happened was, is in the bubbling. So I, I ferment this in mason jars mm-hmm. with the caps and the screw lids. So I don't screw them down super tight. So they, it gives them space to bubble. But what happens is that 
sometimes the the bubble comes up on the lid and when I wipe all of a sudden my sharpie marker goes away mm. and so after I cleaned all the tops off so I could unscrew the lids and mm-hmm. dump them I lost all the dates <laughs> so oh, no. the only way I was able to tell that one quart was that it was the softest batch of peppers in the batch okay so it probably emulsified straight into the whole bunch and made things good but yeah we had peppers going from August all the way to October and then they've been bubbling and fermenting we've it's been you just pack them in a jar throw in some salt water and let them sit burp them every once in a while and top them off when necessary top them off with what uh, a brine uh if you have a quart jar of water Mm -hmm. uh you add two tablespoons of kosher salt give it a little shaky shake that's the brine okay so if you have a quart jar of peppers you pack them down with about five to ten cloves of garlic and just crush them. You cut off the stem parts, but leave the seeds because that's where the heat is. Mm-hmm. And you just pack them into the jar. And then you make sure that you put in all this garlic. And then you give a good shake, make sure the brine has Not a uh, shaky shake. dissolved. Shake shake, shake for the for, for the, the brine. Pour it into the jar. Let it sit put a cover on it shake the jar because you want to make sure that the water brine gets in between all the airspace because mm-hmm. if you just put the brine in and you haven't done that it's going to settle and so give it a shake put it down screw unscrew it again and you want to top it you want to make sure the brine is all the way to the top of the jar screw it down put it down and leave it every three or four days at the very beginning you need to give it a burp and you need to give it a burp over the sink because it's going to be bubbly and it's going to fizz and it's going to make a mess. And after you do that, it's going to need a refill of the brine. So, but the longer you let them ferment, the, the more awesome your, your hot pepper sauce is going to be. And the nice thing about it is capsaicin, which is the feature in hot peppers is a natural antibiotic. So this hot pepper sauce Keeps almost indefinitely. Does it have to be refrigerated? Not really, but because of the antibacterial products. Right. It's like hot sauce you can keep out on the counter, Uh but you can put it in the fridge. It makes people feel better. So it is basically just um, all kinds of hot peppers Mm. and sweet peppers. It is hot peppers and sweet peppers is the primary two. And then it's garlic, whole cloves of garlic, um, kosher salt, and vinegar. And then, you know, in there is water with the brine. Right. But as far as marketing the ingredients. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. Time, mm-hmm. patience, and then, you know, oh, man, the house stunk. Oh, yeah, it smelled pretty foul. For two days. It, it was smelled a like good, sweat socks. Yeah, no, not sweat socks. It was no, that. sweaty, vinegary, summer day sweat socks. Yeah, it was a good thing. It was a good thing. It was a nice day. I was able to open windows, and, but I was exposed to it all day long, and my eyes were just like my sinuses. Like all everybody else in the house has a cold. No, I was breathing clear as a day because I was making that hot pepper sauce the day everybody else was getting a cold. I think that saved me. I'm starting to get a little stuffed up, so maybe I should have a spoonful of hot sauce here. We need yeah. to take a quick time out. Need to send the kiddos upstairs, but we will be back with more Forty Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. So stick around. We'll be back with more right after this. Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
Jay Severin. The states are important from a propaganda. And propaganda is important because it influences the votes in the next states. But in fact, if you're after the nomination, and we presume they are, it's delegates, baby. It's delegates. And tonight, every single state up for grabs is proportionally awarded. No winner takes all. It's the delegates, baby. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Plays Radio Network. It's the show where we could talk until the cows come home if we only had cows. If we had cows and the goats won't leave and we only can (laughs) get rid of the hogs when we, you know, process them, so. Exactly. It's 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam (gasps) Edwards, yes. We need to remember to shut up the chickens when we're done. Oh. It'll be all right. Okay. Let's go. You sure? Yeah, yeah. There were possums in the driveway last night. And there were dead possums in the road when I came back from the store, so... Two? Yeah. No, one, but I haven't heard any noise. I think we'll be fine. Let's... We're, we're all, all right. Keep going. All right. We're going to do... And we got the click-clack of a bullet dog, here who's yeah. uh, joining us. So, one of the projects that you've been working on uh, that has been really, really cool, I have to say, I, I take for granted a lot of the knitting that you do because I'm a dude. Yes. Uh, and so it's like, oh, cool. And, you know, like there is a part of me that's always like, wow, you're taking string and you're turning it into something that people can wear. That's magic. Yes. So I want you to understand magic. that it is kind of magic. But uh, you've been working on something that's really, really cool. I'm not going to request one for me or anything. But uh, I already had a request for one of my nieces. So I'm like, hmm, her birthday's in October. You, think you, you were talking about this, I think, on the show last week. Uh, it's, it's this mermaid. Yeah. I, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pattern that I took, I bought or no, it was a free pattern. I already cited the source yarn. Yeah. You can go back and listen to it last time. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) yarn utopia, yarn utopia. It's if you, you look at it, it's yarn utopia. Um, and it's, she has a really cool shark blanket too. It's funny. It makes you look like you're being eaten by a shark, but this one is like a mermaid tail, but it's an Afghan that sort of comes up to your waist and you can tuck your feet in and it has a little fin at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was finished, but it seemed a little short. And then I got some positive and feedback and I'm like, could you make it a little longer? Cause I want it to last longer for the person it was intended to. But the problem is, is that it's a shell stitch. And when you crochet a shell stitch, it, you're, it's an upward thing. So it m- looks more like a fan. But in this application, you sew it so it's down so that it looks like scales that are going down. Right. So it's like if I started from where at the top, like I would have had to disassemble like two feet at the bottom to restart again. Ah. And all I, if I needed to do was add length, I could have topped up to the the top of it but you can't just do that because if you just start crocheting from the top and go up then all of a sudden your scales of your fish are going in a complete different direction so i cast on a whole different section and i'm working down and then i'm gonna sew it together and crochet it back to add on this basically it's an extension to make it longer that's amazing can you make one that would look like a black hole would be swallowing me? And just, I don't sure. know what that would look like. I don't know. We can make it in black crochet with like weird little crocheted nebula bits like swirling around the body of it. Uh, okay, so our uh, we have a uh, studio audience of one and a half. Bullet counts as, uh, as half an audience. You might hear him panting. If we're all real quiet for a second. Well, he weighs almost. Just, just, as... All real quiet for a second. 
I, yeah, I think you can hear that in the microphone. He's so hot. It's warm today, but it's not like warm enough to turn on the air conditioning because you know it's going to get cooler. So we have some windows open, but he's so fun. He's also a little overly dramatic, I think, oh. about it. Because it's amazing how he can turn it off, too. Like when he wants to crawl up on me. On you, who's and the hottest person on in me. the planet. By the way, you are and the then, hottest person on the planet. I know. Well, thank you. Wrong. Was that was that like a physical thing? Like you take it however you want. <laughs> Very diplomatic of you. Thank you. So uh, I'm learning. Our youngest daughter is uh, sitting here as well. How are you this evening? Fine. 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 We went uh, exploring this weekend, right? Uh, Down by the creek. Yeah. Found the uh, the deer skull. Which you still need to clean up, though, right? It's yeah. still outside. I yeah. Do, I was going to soak it on Friday. And then uh, you and your brother and uh, neighbor friend went exploring, and you all found a cow bone, right? Uh, yeah. Like a leg bone? Um, probably. Was that the only bone there? Yeah. It was weird. Hmm. Just walking in an empty field, find his random cow bone. That is kind of weird. But, uh, it might have been that something fell down someplace else and the thing scavenged and couldn't take it any further. Yeah. It's kind of like that deer, like where we found those pit, that not all the parts were there. Right. Uh, so it's like something managed to fell a deer and drag bits of Some it. of it. Other there for dinner, but not the whole. Yeah. Thing, or dragged it all over there and then somebody, and, other and then other things dragged apart. Right. some so, of it away. Yeah, because it was under a tree, so it seemed like a a sneaky coyote or a foxy thing to do to kill something and drag it under a tree. But yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting where, uh, the more we're wandering around and it's, and now is a good time to actually get a chance to wander because the green hasn't really come back in yet. It, you know, it gets to the point of the summer where you really don't want to be in the woods because no, you, you can't see anything, but, uh, over in the dump area, uh, you know, it, it's it's a cool time of year to explore. And you actually, so we moved the goats a couple of weeks ago into a new area. Oh. And this <laughs> yeah. is like, I, I love it when we move the farm animals around because it's like farm keology and they do all of the digging and they eat up all of the, the bits the, around the trees the and stuff, stuff, right? Like the side lamps on old cars. Mm-hmm. I found a bicycle or some other chain up near the hogs, and it was rather th- a thick chain, so I think it's more than a bicycle. Okay. But I was in where we put the the goats, which is down behind our farm, and it was kind of like an overgrown area, so we figured, well, well, let's go ahead and use the power of goats and get this eaten down. And I saw something shiny, I like, kicked it up, and it's like this, uh, I want to say... 18 inch wide by at the tallest maybe five inch piece of metal that just says dodge yeah it was but, on the i think it was a uh not a hood ornament but no, probably like a front grill bit yeah yeah but that's what we find all over the place on this farm we're finding like car parts and tractor bits and right. like the last people when they bought this house i contacted the, the owners they they purchased this place in 1997 and she said they took away like two dump trucks of tires from just one section that's actually like where people would come and see from when you came down the driveway mm-hmm. is where we have our hogs now like in that particular area right it's like 
why would you keep such a disgusting pile of trash like right where people can see it like the other dump well that's kind of hidden away it's <laughs> it's in the natural ravine so it sort of makes sense for well, I mean, the seven it, generations of the family that own this place well that's the thing people it. have been living here since 1775 or so so right. i imagine over time a the stuff fills up you got to right. move closer to the house and maybe you get a little bit lazy you get a little bit older or you, you don't get feel a little like, less right? property Mm. They didn't have. They started running out of dumpish right. areas when they started selling off the exterior land. Because at one point, uh, I think there was like two thousand acres, and then it went bigger, and then it sort of came back down again. Wow, that was yeah. a long time ago. Oh, though, very, so. very long time ago, like seventeen hundreds, long time ago. Like yeah. the first initial, like, hi, I want to buy land. Here, you have this bit, which was at the time a default, like two thousand acres kind right. of thing. So. Well, when there were like you know eighteen people living in Virginia, right. it was it was easier to get more land. Oh right? yeah, I mean the original land tracks for like Lord Fairfax, I think it was something like thirty thousand acres. Well, isn't three hundred thousand Fairf- acres? Was it Lord like Fairfax that. now Fairfax County? Yeah, basically. Right. So, so yeah, yeah, you had these enormous you know hundred thousand, two hundred thousand uh, acre grants and multiple uh, you know plantations on them, and then they were sold into. Everything from smaller farms to townships and whatnot. So, yeah, I think this started out at like 400 acres and then built up. And then, as you say, kind of shrank down. Well, I know our neighborhood said something about one point buying 500 acres from the a family. His family bought 500 acres from a, the, the family here so that they could have road frontage. Mm. So, yeah, mm. it was big. It was. It's not big now. Yeah. It's nice. I like acres. it. Hey, it's big 40 enough, acres. Right. Right. Works for us fools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully by the end of this growing season, I'm, I'm, I, I'd like to think we're going to feel a little less foolish. But Yeah. Uh, we're already late. Yeah, I know. We're not getting off to a really good start. Nope. All right. Well, I tell you what, when we come back here on 40 Acres and a Fool, we're going to hear from you. Uh, we've got some uh, emails from around the country. The email address, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. Stick around. We'll be right back with more from the Blaze Radio Network right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. As you know, I have not signed on for Never Trump, which is different than being a Trump supporter. Everyone is not the same thing. I'm a Never Hillary. You can hashtag me Never Hillary, but I am not yet there with Never Trump because the trauma of eight years of Obama is too fresh in my mind for me to even consider eight years of Hillary. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Missy is enjoying a blueberry muffin that uh, she made earlier today. And so you didn't get to hear this because I asked, are you ready? And I heard almost. (laughs) It was yummy. Yeah, they're good. I had one too. It's delicious. It's the blueberries from the, the blueberry bushes from last year that have been in the freezer. We got to do something. Uh, well, I got to use them up because we're going to have blueberries this year that are going to probably end up in the freezer. So there you go. All right. So we have a number of emails to get to uh, this week, and thank you. I love that. Uh, Trent 
uh, wrote in, you know, Trent, he's uh, emailed before. And uh, he said, the uh, chicks arrived this week. I got my first chickens in September, and I have become somewhat obsessed. He says, my wife is a very tolerant person. Anyhow, uh, 13 birds in total, a mixed bag of speckled Sussex, Cuckoo Moran, Cuckoo Marin, 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 Uh, Australorps, New Hampshire, Delaware Pullets. Trent uh, split the chick order with his neighbor, who his first birds came from. He says, now if the weather breaks, I have a new coop to build. Also got my seed order placed where I can source locally, or at least not easily. Some specific varieties of tomatoes, sweet potatoes, Napa cabbage, kale to go along with zucchini, melons, peppers. Trent says spring is around the corner, even if there's still a couple of inches of snow in the yard. Oh, wow. They are. It is, Trent, right around the corner. and We don't have any snow, so we have no excuses. Um, now, uh, Trent says, for the long-winded, likely edited stuff, and yes, Trent, if you don't mind, I will edit a little bit of this, uh, but I will also uh, uh, talk about a lot of what uh, you said. Uh, Trent says, during the last podcast, you touched on a few things. This is when we were talking politics, which we rarely do here on 40 Years yeah, of the yeah. Fool. He said, uh, you touched on a few things that have been troubling me lately, so I'm compelled to respond for my own sanity. Uh, First, he says, the tribalism that we continue to see on the right end of the political spectrum. It's infuriating. He says, I'm convinced that it has something to do with those who tend to lean to the right of things. These principled stands against anything less than an ideal solution and a desire to burn anything but that perfect option to the ground and revel in the pile of ashes that lie at their feet. What happened to pragmatism, asks Trent. Politics, American anyway, have always been an exercise in controlled chaos between warring factions that every few years welcome the attempt to prove that their vision is still the vision of the people. But in the last decade, either because that's where my scope of political discourse became aware, or because it truly has escalated, we've seen stark contrasts in the way the left and the right approach these elections, and it has cost the right seats. It's maddening, and I think I have a slightly different take on why. Uh, Trent says, well, I'll tell you what, Trent, before we get to why, um, let's say, first of all, that I think that... um, and I've kind of talked about this before. You know, I think on the left, again, you have collectivists, right? I mean, that's what they, they, they're the ones who believe in the common good over individual freedom and individual liberty. So they are more likely to uh, row, you know, together uh, than a, a group of people who are rugged individuals and who believe in individual liberty and individual freedom and are part of the Leave Me Alone coalition. Uh, you know, we are sort of the herding cats, um, side of the political spectrum, trying to get conservatives to work together is like herding cats. Yeah, it is right, um, and it has always been this way. But I think part of what has happened here is that the idea of uh, collective action has, you know, it, it that idea becomes more popular when the economy is not going great, when you don't feel like you have the individual opportunity to progress and move ahead. But we don't like collectivism. No. Well, we don't typically like collectivism, uh, but things change. And I don't think it's a good thing, but I think that when you when you have a generation uh, who sees its job prospects narrowing, who is not making as much um, in real dollars as their parents made at that same age, you know, and again, you feel like your individual opportunity is not there. I, I think that there is that desire. I think that the attitude of, well, we're all in it together uh, becomes more attractive, mm. you know. But I, I, I do think that there is a great deal of uh, what you say to the, the tribal aspect of this. I mean, we've talked about that on the show last week. Um, now, Trent says, okay, I think the reason why this is happening, online bios. He says, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are at their core extensions of or vessels for expression of our personality. 
Increasingly, in the interest of followers and friends, people see the need to fit a hashtag identification to belong to a club. Well, thank God I've never felt that way on Facebook. <laughs> Chris says, it's always existed, but never before was it so easy to challenge people on their worthiness to claim that banner. If you're going to use the uh, TCOT hashtag, top conservatives on Twitter hashtag, don't leave a random tweet anywhere supporting teachers. Teachers in the NEA are the enemy, Trent says. Break them. Fit the mold. More than ever, in my opinion, people aren't examining issues, finding their position, and then aligning themselves with a group that most, sits them, uh, most suits them most of the time. They are picking a team and assuming the identity and ideas that their tribe assigns them. Flexibility is gone. You've not left yourself room to explore ideas. You've already sworn your oath of allegiance. Uh, Trent says, I graduated college in 2006 as Facebook was coming mainstream. Twitter wasn't a thing, but the seeds were being sown. Groups were being formed in the divisive battleground that is the university. A liberal and conservative battle lines were being drawn a decade ago on social media. So, Trent, I think I, I think you a you're right. We are seeing this, um, but keep in mind that what you're talking about ultimately is peer pressure, right? And and maybe that desire to belong to a group. Um, but I think that there are, you know, again, I'd like to think that on the right there are people who are happy, or at least comfortable, uh, not fitting into a mold. Um, and it's always been that way, you know. You go, I. I Ms. E has her books here, and we're not going to get a chance to talk about them this week. I'm sorry, darling. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I love to talk about my books. And I remember Whitaker Chambers, Trent, uh, the author of the book Witness, had a follow-up, or it actually came out uh, posthumously, uh, called Cold Friday. And in that book, he talked about, he called himself a man of the right. He said he couldn't call himself a conservative. And he didn't really want to identify himself as a Republican. This is in 1960. This is pre-Goldwater. This is right around the, you know into the Eisenhower era. Um, but he, he identified himself as a man of the right uh, because generally he went along with, uh, you know, conservative principles, but there were times that he broke with, with the conservative movement as it was back then. So you're right. We are looking for those easy labels. That's why I, you know, I look, I'm a conservative, I guess. I feel like I'm a conservative, but there are also a lot of things in today's world that, that, I'm not sure are really worth conserving. Uh, you know, I believe in making progress in terms of protecting our Second Amendment rights. I, I think, you know, so in, in that sense, am I a progressive? I, I don't know that these labels are, are really applicable. I think that's part of the problem is that Plus, the labels don't necessarily fit the well, ideologies don't, anymore. Well, they don't, but not only do they not fit, that your label can change. Like, just because you think one way at some point in your life, like, at one point, I was a liberal Democrat. Mm -hmm. I was a poster child for welfare reform. But then I got older, and I started working, and I saw that the people that I left behind were still not doing, not contributing, and just being, and not becoming. And I got disgusted with the system that kept them in their place. Because apparently they weren't being placed anywhere else. Well, people should be able to change and grow. I mean, what's the the, the line famously ascribed to Churchill? But I think it's, it's even older than that. That uh, a liberal oh, if you're uh, if a conservative if, under the age of thirty has no if you're heart. a conservative under thirty, you have no heart. If you're a liberal over thirty, you have no brain. Right. So, you know, look, we, we are supposed to I was a liberal under 30, and I'm a conservative over 30. I was a conservative not quite at 30. Probably not until I was in my 40s. And then I've, my conservativeness varies on some of the issues. 
I well, well, that's the thing. I mean, so Trent says he doesn't think that people are examining issues, finding their position, and then aligning themselves with a the group that most suits them most of the time. Yeah, well, the Libertarian Party is kind of a bunch of here, so it's not like I can really align myself with them. Well, but think about it too, Trent, that, you know, the largest group of voters in America right now are unaffiliated voters. People who have left the party. Yeah, because uh, we're all kind of a little annoyed with everybody. So, right. So, I, I think a lot of this is exacerbated because it's social media and because it's Facebook and because it's Twitter. Which, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but to me, the interactions on Twitter, I haven't been on Facebook in months. Uh, and I apologize if you yeah, sent me a message. But uh, I, I don't really need to fix that because I don't think that's broken. But... Uh, <laughs> It, it seems like, you know, every time I get on, on Twitter these days, the discourse is just awful. And it really doesn't resemble the conversations that I have with people in, uh, you know, meat space. Um, so, I, I, you know, I the, the parties have become more ideologically rigid, or at least portions of the party. But I also think that's because, you know, again, the... Uh, the stakes are higher in uh, in many cases, but you also again have that sort of disgusted and disgruntled uh, group of independents who don't fit easily into an ideological box. And right, and right, I right. and I think sooner or later, I, I said this to uh, to Jim Garrity today. Sooner or later, this will shake out. We've we've had times in American history where this has happened before, uh, and it does shake out. But it's it is chaotic uh, in the meantime, and it is concerning, and it's not the uh, best place for a country to be. So uh, I'm, I'm with you in that regard. I appreciate uh, the comments as always, Trent. Uh, Mike also uh, wrote in, says... Uh, I'm so our song should be like Taylor Swift's, like, what, shouldn't she have like a off. Shake It Off song? Our song? You mean like our new national anthem? No, our conservative movement song should be like Shake It Off. Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. I don't know. We, we seem to be like headed in the opposite direction here. All right. Um, Mike says, uh, Cam, love the show. I'm working my way through the podcast. I'm on episode 27. So Mike should hear this here in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> my wife and I live on an acre and three sixteenths just north of town in Pennsylvania. We've had a garden for the past few years. Like you, he says, it has been trial and error. My corn crop from the first year was okay, but not great. However, he says I was able to use the dried corn for last year's planting. We got a bunch of corn. Uh, green beans do great for us, Mike says. Tomatoes didn't do well at all. Too much rain. Peppers didn't do well at all. We were laying grass clippings in between the rows to cut down on weeds, but I think the rotting gases from the grass was actually killing the pepper plants. He says that once we removed the clippings, the plants actually started doing better. Uh, tried some carrots for the first time this fall. We planted too late. Mm. He says, but the interesting thing is, the main reason I'm writing is that just this weekend, I went out to start preparing the garden and get it ready for planting, and I noticed my carrot shoots. Found carrots. <laughs> he said, I started digging them up, and I got probably 25 or 30 little carrots. Even after the cold temperatures that we've had, they seem to have survived. Well, because sometimes if they don't germinate the first time around, they'll right. just sit dormant, and they end up being a fall-winter over plant. Yeah. So, Yeah. Uh, Mike says, we plan to get chickens, Lord willing, this spring and in the future goats. Mike also started bees this winter with the help of a friend, and he says he looks forward to seeing how that'll turn out. Uh, so, Mike and Lebanon, uh, enjoy your spring, and thank you for writing in, and you're ahead of us here when it comes to the uh, the beekeeping, so good luck with you on that. Yeah, I want, that's the next critter to add once I don't have so many goats. Uh, we've also heard from Jason, who says, I just wanted to say that my wife and I have become 40-acre fools as well. We recently signed a contract and closed in two weeks on our own 40 acres in Kentucky. Congratulations. Yep. How cool is that? Mostly wooded, 
Jason says, with about two acres that have been cleared, we plan to be big fools and build a log home by hand, sourcing wood from the property. Nice. Right? I've only seen that on, like, uh, the the Alaskan build shows on the, the home show network, but good for you. Jason says, uh, I'll keep you updated on our progress, and please send some pictures, Jason. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jason says, we plan to woodland farm as much as we can. I grew up on a farm, but we didn't farm woodland, so there's a learning curve. Any thoughts or ideas on what we can do, Jason asks. I know we could do mushrooms and raise some livestock, such as sheep and chickens, and we plan to. Uh, you know, we've got, there. so in here where we live in Central Virginia, there's a couple of uh, hog farms, small, you know, free ranging hog farms. Oh yeah, they, they totally grow up in the woods. Yeah, it's uh, the one. Can I say the name? Sure. It's uh, it's actually called Babes in the Wood, mm-hmm. and they are wood raised hogs. They actually have a cafe up in Charlottesville, and they have uh, products you can buy out of hand. But yeah. You can totally raise hogs in the woods. And they've got, you know, they've got uh, more than 40 acres, but with 40 but, acres and with 38 of it, uh, you know, or 30, you could take 30 acres of it uh, and that would give you, you know, easily space for six or seven hogs that uh, that you could run in yeah. there. And they run electric wire with uh, portable batteries. Yep. So, uh, so that, yeah, that's absolutely something you can uh, do as far as woodland farming. Uh, Jason says we're also beekeepers and we'll be moving our apiary to the new location. Nice. Uh, Jason says, I've heard you mention a few times on the show that you're interested in beekeeping. So if there's anything I can do to help, I am here for you guys. Well, thank you for that, Jason. Oh, thank you. Uh, Jason says, thanks for the show. Thanks for the humble honesty in your broadcast. It is much appreciated and a breath of fresh air. And thank you, Jason. I, I appreciate that. Uh, that's sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and our friend Bailey from Wisconsin uh, writing in says, uh, Cam, I know you're a whiskey connoisseur of sorts, so I was wondering if you had any recommendations for a nice whiskey or bourbon. Ooh. He says, you've made some excellent book recommendations to me on Twitter, so I have complete faith in your judgment. Well, we, we like our bourbon. We do. We do like our bourbon. Matter of fact, uh, we're going to start watching the Republican debate here after we uh, conclude, and I'm trying to figure out if I will be uh, drinking Basil Hayden or uh, Burnside bourbon. No. Isn't that the bottle? That we were going to send to your nephew as a wedding present? No, that is filibuster. That's right, because it's a Virginia. Yeah, bourbon. That's right, and this is a this is actually a blend. The filibuster that we got is a blend, and it's batch number one. And my nephew's getting married, so I thought, well, that's kind of a cool wedding yeah. present. Um, but uh, Basil Hayden, oh. I think, is probably one of my favorite bourbons, uh, Bailey. Super smooth. Yeah. The Burnside bourbon I like because uh, Ambrose Burnside was the first president of the NRA, so it's kind of cool. It's a little bit spicier. I like bur- uh, Bullet. I like, Yeah, Bullet is the go-to the yeah. everyday uh, uh, drinking bourbon. Um, and then I'd say one of my other favorites is uh, Four Roses Single Barrel. Okay. Uh, they, have a, they have a Four Roses small batch. They have a Four Roses single barrel. And whatever one is less expensive, that's the one that I think is actually better. Mm. I can't remember. I think it's the single barrel. I think it is a single barrel. Um, and I, I, I really like that as well. Uh, Bailey says, as I write this, I'm sipping on a Wisconsin-made whiskey from Great Northern Distillery. He says, if you haven't tried it, I would recommend it. It pairs well with Chick-fil-A cookies. <laughs> That's probably the problem, though, with trying to get uh, out-of-state bourbons in Virginia. It's hard enough to try to get Virginia bourbons here. We get the weird, normal uh, sort of stuff. But then again, it depends upon which ABC store you're in in Virginia. If you're in, like, a Tony neighborhood, like, 
Short Pump. Then you got the Pretty Store with all the really great brands, right? Versus like the Little Town where we're near, and then you get the you know when I was up in Dog when I was whatever. up in Northern Virginia for uh, for the Conservative Political Action Conference, which was just across the river there in uh, Maryland. I made sure to stop uh, at an ABC store up there, and I picked up some Deep Eddy vodka from uh, Texas, and I brought it back for a couple of friends. Uh, here, so that they could taste the uh, the lemon and the ruby red grapefruit, and then yeah. you're like, "Hey, where'd that ruby red grapefruit yeah, go?" Yeah, <laughs> because I was like, "Wait, wait, there were two bottles of lemon, and then there was a grapefruit. I like the gra- it's gone. What what did you do with it?" They have a peach vodka, and I was really hoping that uh, that would be out and available now, but it's probably a little early in the season for that. So might be. I'm not um, too sweet though. All right, so Bailey has a question for you. Let me see. Uh oh. He says in a very early podcast, you gave out your bacon rub recipe. And Bailey says, I got a smoker for Christmas, and I'm looking forward to breaking it out once the weather gets better. I know you've made more bacon since that episode, so I was wondering if you had made any changes to the recipe and more recent iterations, or if you had any further recommendations for what temperature to smoke the meat at. I actually, it's the DIY cookbook that I've taken the bacon recipe from. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't use, I use brown sugar and not the sugar that they use, and I don't use a grill to smoke it. I have an electric smoker. I sometimes use apple. I sometimes use hickory. I sometimes use pecan. Sometimes I mix it up. It depends. Um, the normal recipes say to leave the slab for seven to ten days. We like it longer. I've left it for three to four weeks, and you get almost like a more steaky, chewy texture with like a candied bacon. Like everybody mm-hmm. knows, everybody who's eaten my bacon is like, now I know why. It's like bacon is the the candy crack it's, thing. It, it, yeah, because it's different. Well, and you you cut it so thick. Uh, now that I'm complaining, but and then I bake it slow and low. Right, like, so it's almost like ham. It is hammy bacon. It's you know, so but that's, it's a smoky, yeah, bacony ham. I mean, um, it's just, oh. I I I've just to, to be honest, it's really crazy. I just follow the recipe. Like, there's not too much variation I do, and I just make sure that when I smoke it. I keep the smoker at about 180 degrees and I only smoke the product until it reaches 155 and then I try to cool it down quickly and throw it in the freezer as quickly as possible to get it cool. So there you go. So, Bailey uh, says that uh, the weather is warming up there in uh, Wisconsin. The, it's not quite as bone-chilling cold. I can uh, imagine Wisconsin being... Right. And as we're uh, actually doing the podcast, I swear it's like Rob in California is listening to us live somehow. I'm checking the house for hidden microphones now because as we're talking, uh, Rob sends in a message. I hear goat cheese pizza is quite the thing. Just a suggestion. Uh-huh. Hope all is well. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Rob. Goat cheese pizza, actually, you know, that, that, that I've can actually, do that. I've put our goat cheese, my goat cheese on pizza that I've made for you guys and none of them you've never noticed. I've made goat I've cheese. I've made goat's milk you, you mozzarella. Had com- you had the caramelized onion and the goat cheese pizza. I remember that. Yes, and then I've delicious. also made um, goat's milk mozzarella. Yes, and you have. homemade pizza. And that's so. very good. Oh, yeah. All right, one final email to uh, let you know about this, uh, not from a listener, but they're good folks. The uh, Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund uh, sent out an uh, email to uh, their members uh, letting us know that there is a membership drive kicking off March 15th uh, in five days. As of right now, anyway, uh, the Farm to Table, uh, Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund. They are a, uh, a great grassroots organization that works with small farmers 
uh, and really tries to expand the the opportunities for small farmers to sell their products to consumers directly. Oh, so you don't have to worry about the whole commercial kitchen, yada 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 label thing. Right, exactly. Okay. That's so nice. you can, uh, I can uh, sell my hot sauce. There you, you could. I think you, <laughs> actually, I think you can right now, but I, I have to go back and check the uh, laws in Virginia. Anyway, they're at uh, farmtoconsumer.org. Uh, make sure you uh, get a chance if you get a chance to uh, take a look at Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund and uh, maybe uh, sign up during their membership drive. All right, we have got to get out of here. This has been a, a very long segment, but I appreciate uh, you sticking around. Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode of Forty Acres and a Fool. Wish us well and uh, dry weather. And until we talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll see you here soon. And eat some muffins. Eat some muffins. There you go. On 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.